The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Irreverent. Entertaining. Cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir only on LA Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I appreciate you tuning in with us today where we are changing consciousness one conversation at a time. That is the mission statement for my podcast. And I would appreciate for you to continue subscribing and rating this podcast. Leaving a review is the most helpful because it boosts my ratings in iTunes. So I'm going to ask you to do that today after you hear this episode. And I'm going to thank you for that in advance. Additionally, I am available to work with you. I offer a 30-day psychoastrology intensive to dive into your core wounding and its healing. This work is based upon my book that is coming out with Inner Traditions Publisher in November of this year, November of 2020. My book is titled The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and self-forgiveness. And in my work, I've discovered that there are 12 placements of core wounding based upon the placement of Chiron. And I find where your Chiron is based on your uh, birth information, time of birth, place of birth, city of birth. And our core wounding is where we repeat familiar patterns that are unwanted. It's the repetition compulsion. As Sigmund Freud coined so many years ago in the 1900s, and it's been stated by object relationists and other psychological and spiritual professionals, including Carl Jung, who speaks of the wounded healer mythology. So I'm I'm excited to to share this important work with you. In addition to a one-month intensive, I do private one-on-one sessions and couples sessions through phone, Skype, and FaceTime as well as in person at my Los Angeles and New Orleans office locations. Find out more by going to my website at nolatherapy.com. It stands for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. That's also how you can find me on social media on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, Twitter at Nola Therapy. I'm going to ask you to go to that website and join my email list so I can get you info about my book when it goes available for pre-sale in August of 2020, which I was just told by my publisher a couple of days ago. So this is breaking news that I'm happy to share with you. Shifting to my guest, I am really excited to be interviewing in just moments 
Mistress Justine Cross. She is Los Angeles's premier BDSM consultant and lifestyle dame. She owns two private studios that are available for rental in the Los Angeles area. In Los Angeles, she is available for BDSM consulting, training, and classes. She has over 10 years of experience as a lifestyle dominatrix and BDSM consultant. Mistress Justine has been featured in dozens of print, radio, and video productions. She's been in films appeared on podcasts and campaigns for major brands, and she has been educating people and correcting misnomers surrounding BDSM, consent, safer sex practices at places like UCLA, the LA LGBT Center, and Playboy, LA Weekly, Los Angeles Magazine, Nylon, BuzzFeed, The Guardian, on Bravo, the Huffington Post, and she works with individuals and married couples. We're going to talk about the way she really educates and helps people with their sexuality and to educate us about BDSM and what that really means in a, in a safe way. So with that, I just want to welcome you, Justine, for taking your time out with us. Uh, hi, Lisa. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. How are you today? I am wonderful. It is uh, very sunny here in Los Angeles, so it looks like it's warming up a bit. I know you're in New Orleans, so I'm sure it's quite warm there. <laughs> it is warm. It's not quite as sunny as I am imagining you are, but it's still it's still awesome <laughs> to be here. I know you love New Orleans as well, so we share a love for both cities. Yes, I definitely love New Orleans and all the delicious seafood and amazing cocktails and such friendly people. Amen to those three things. <laughs> so, so mistress, in your work as a mistress, as a BDSM consultant and lifestyle dame, I wondered what might be something or some things that, that you notice, especially as you've been going out more and more over the recent years in the various communities to educate people about BDSM. Is there anything that that's like stood out to you? And the way um, yeah. work. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh, before I get into that, just small correction. Just uh, it's it just pronounced Dom. Oh <laughs> so, my god. Um, there's no accent Thank on the E. You. Yeah. That's okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe we're just going to be fancy and be Dom A now. Um, yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because I think that BDSM um, is definitely coming more into the media, um, definitely with uh, various shows, um, like, of course, or, or movies, unfortunately, like Fifty Shades of Grey, Billionaires, Bonding on Netflix. Um, so it's definitely more in the common conversation where before I felt like it was a very dark and hidden corner um, because it's involved with fantasies that are pretty outside of the mainstream. Um, when we talk about sex work in general, um, the umbrella of sex work, like most people know what a stripper is or an escort. And there's a lot of media representation and a lot of people um, have gone to something like a strip club. Um, but with Dom's, um, it, it's a very hidden and different sort of thing um, because it's very specific to one person's fantasy. It's not a group show. Um, it's, it's very, very different. So, and, and a lot of this, like this fantasy is very dark and hidden for people and they don't mm -hmm. want to talk about it. Um, because again, it's like things that are going outside of 
societal norms or things that we've hopefully been told not to do to people because it could be involving something like corporal punishment, you know, so you're hitting someone um, or, you know, verbal or some kind of humiliation. So you're calling someone names. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people that brings up a lot of shame um, and bad feelings, like both for, um, you know, on the binary for both men and women, um, you know, women not wanting to feel in their power um, as, you know, dominance or men, you know, not wanting to, it's not socially acceptable for men to really be shown in a submissive role, um, you know, but also, you know, it, with the second wave feminism, it's also on the flip side, you know, not very acceptable for women to be submissive. So, you know, it's like a lot going on um, for people. So it takes a lot for people to explore their fantasies and get out there, uh, you know, exploring these things in BDSM and with me. You know, what you're saying is ringing true for me, because on one hand, I see BDSM, the actual sexual acts and the fantasies that you help people to fulfill, uh, like in, in real life, in the flesh. And then on the other side of things, when you're speaking about women's empowerment, that's kind of what came to mind today as I was preparing to speak with you is is I'm thinking how is women some of us might have a harder time being in our power. And I'm wondering mm -hmm. how someone like you in your role, how can, you know, being a model for women to really be in their sexual power and their financial power, how you articulate clearly on your website, what the expectations are, what the boundaries are, and just how I think that is something really helpful for some women who might you know, not have those skills as developed because of the culture or families that we've grown up in. And I wonder if you could speak to some of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I actually lead, um, I just led a BDSM 101 class for women only, and I throw a women's only event as well. Um, and, you know, the majority of women um, that are coming to these um, are in the GLBTQ community, but some of them are straight also. Um, and part of it, the reason why they're coming is because they want to explore this part of themselves without men present <laughs> because men yeah. are very disruptive to this process. They're very predatory um, and it, it's very interfering. So, you know, I encourage women now I'm uh, just to be clear, I am, I only identify as a dominant, as a sadist, um, always in the top role. Um, for me, there's no switching. There's no submissiveness. Um, so I talk a lot about how I feel in my power as being dominant. Um, for me, that's where I'm finding my healing. That's where I'm finding, uh, feeling the strongest, where I'm feeling the most myself and comfortable. But I also encourage women to know that it's okay to feel their power in their submission submission. And I generally have some, um, another, uh, assistant or guest with me to explain a little bit more about how they feel in their power as being submissive. You know, they're telling someone else what to do to their body. And that is very empowering. Um, and so I encourage uh, people to explore whatever that is, as long as, again, you know, in terms of, um, having a scene with, clearly laid out uh, negotiations, boundaries, and enthusiastic consent. And all of this is very empowering to, to find your fantasies and to explore that with someone. So, I mean, it's hard to tell. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually really love you saying that because I think somehow in my mind, the thought of being submissive or enjoying that feels like it's less powerful than being in the dominant position. So it feels great that it is about asking, saying what we want versus just being powerless or without power in that role. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's a power exchange and I'm getting, 
um, uh, you know, sometimes my scenes are very directed by the submissive in terms of, well, okay, this is, you know, uh, that person is laying out what they want to do, but I'm the person creating that scene. Um, so in some ways I'm con in control of it, but in other ways it's like the submissive directing the action. But I mean, I hope that it's like more, uh, you know, uh, an equal playing field in terms of, you know, two people or multiple people talking about what it is they want and creating a scene together with the things that they want to do and not doing the things that they don't want to do. But, um, it, you know, either experience, like, you know, a lot of people tell me that it, it is very empowering. It can be very healing. Um, obviously it's just fun. <laughs> it's sexy as hell. Um, all of those things are coming up and, you know, to not, um, yeah, I, I just really encourage people to not feel bad about their fantasies um, and to to think through them for themselves before vocalizing them to somebody else and know that those fantasies are okay. And, you know, the internet brings us all together. I'm sure someone else has that same fantasy or want to participate in that fantasy with you, um, you know, because the, the majority of fantasies are, are pretty... Uh, I mean, for me, like <laughs> I've been, I've been doing this for over 10 years professionally. Like there isn't too much that I've seen or done that, you know, really surprises me anymore. You know, mm -hmm. most fantasies are, are things involving, uh, you know, corporal punishment or, um, you know, bondage, uh, something to do with fetish, you know, all of these things, this is what's being involved. Um, and, and that's pretty common. Um, so, you know, I say like, you're going to find someone who, who likes those things. Like if you want something really particular and specialized, it might be a little harder for you to find that person to do that thing. But, I, you know, again, it, the, the world is a big place. The Internet brings us all together. I'm sure you'll find that person. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm thinking of the role of consent. And that's something mm -hmm. when I, I've heard you educate people in the community. I went to one of your seminars and just talking about like a misnomer that BDSM is is something that is violent or you're out of control, that it really is boundaried and consensual. So can you speak to listeners out there who might not really understand this? Yeah. So what I talk about in my seminars is that, you know, there's some myths about BDSM, like it about, again, like about being violent or just about pain. Um, or sort of problematic behaviors that are definitely characterized as abuse. Because when you hear things like name calling, hitting someone, okay, like these things are not okay. However, if it is between consenting adults, people who have negotiated this scene, who have talked about how they want this to happen, they have set up a boundary in terms of like having a safe word or limits to where and when someone can hit their body. Um, and all of that is negotiated beforehand. This is where you can have this practice in BDSM. And this is where it becomes fun. This is where it becomes sexy. This is where it becomes empowering. Um, you know, uh, good BDSM is going through and talking through all these things. It's not just like me walking up to a random submissive and just smacking him across the face. Like that's not yeah. what this is. Like this is about me, you know, having a conversation with someone about what this looks like, you know, and again, it's like, this is, and, and for some people it's really hard, um, whether it's because it's triggering for them or abuse or because, you know, a lot of times I hear from uh, clients, I work with couples a lot. They're like, I don't, I just can't hit my partner because I love them. And, mm. you know, and, and that's great, but it's, that's not where it's coming from. You're not, you're not hitting your partner because you hate them. You're not hitting your partner because you don't love them. You're, you know, you're hitting your partner in the way that you have negotiated, um, you know, 
in a way that makes them feel really good and sexy. And you're making that person feel good. It's to feel good. It's to feel better about yourself. It's not to be abusive. It's not to harm them. Um, it is not to trigger them. It is not to damage them. It is right. an experience that you're sharing together. You know, and what you're sharing, Justine, goes along with brain chemistry and, and how our brain processes pleasure and pain. And in research, it shows that when we are experiencing pain, dopamine is released just like when we're feeling pleasure. And so there's that scientific, there's that link there, that pain can be pleasurable because of the chemicals being released through our bodies and especially with consent in a safe way where the person knows what to expect and has agreed you know, for this scene, for this engagement to happen that it can, I think, help the person that might have some fear around hitting their partner, inflicting some kind of pain. I think to understand the brain chemistry helps that just make more sense and could put someone at ease about what they're doing mm-hmm. or receiving. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, um, it, it's definitely releasing endorphins and people are feeling good when they're, when they're going into a scene, especially if it's, um, you know, it doesn't even have to be uh, involving pain, but I mean, it can, and it does, is that Someone is putting, um, and then they're put into subspace. So it's it's almost like very euphoric. You're in almost like a trance-like state. You're feeling very good. You know, your body's feeling amazing. And you know, for some people in BDSM play, it's not even about having an orgasm because this other feeling is throughout the whole body in a different and powerful way. That I mean, yes, of course, some BDSM does involve orgasm or some kind of release, but sometimes it doesn't. And and you're just in this space like this. And it's interesting to people like, oh, I don't even have to have. I mean, well, what's sex? So like, I don't have to have the standard uh, definition of having sex with someone to feel this good or to have this amazing feeling. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of different play. Um, uh, you know, that you can do. That yeah, that it's just you're making your partner or you know someone you're playing with feel. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so you work with couples and how is it that uh, my understanding is that you act as a mediator, observing the dynamic between the couple and facilitating each partner to be seen and heard in, in ways they haven't been. Can you talk to the listener out there that might be in a relationship curious to explore or needing some help to, you know, do what, you know, get into what pleases them? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, when I work with couples, it really ranges for me having like uh, just a sort of talking consult with them to all the way to me being instructional with them in my space. Or sometimes if they're more advanced, like for me to just do a full scene with them. So I'm co-topping with one of the partners to the other person. Um, so it just depends on their experience level and their desire and what it is that they want to do. So talking through with couples, um, usually the scenario is is one person is really into it and the other person is not as into it <laughs> okay, so, yeah. or they're both or yeah so that that's like very different or you know or or there or uh the other scenario common scenario is uh, a couple is just getting into it and they kind of want to go through things safely and carefully and explore um and so that's also really helpful because both people are, are enthusiastic and you know, we can, uh, you know, explore together in a way that, you know, they want to hire a professional and, and see how to do things. Cause it can be very intimidating. It's like, usually sex doesn't require a lot of equipment, but like yeah. GDSM, there's so much equipment. <laughs> so, there is. Um, 
Yeah. So um, when it's couples that are, um, when one person is more enthusiastic uh, than the other, um, you know, what I, we try to find a common ground. So, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out like, well, what are things that are on the table that, you know, we can make a Venn diagram with that feel really good to both people that they can get into. Um, and, you know, trying to find that list of activities that works or, or the ideology that works for both people. Um, and, you know, I always stress like this is only going to go as fast as the slowest person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to have patience and ease with the other person um, and, and understand that. Um, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, uh, you know, some tactics uh, that I like to go through are, you know, it, again, it's all about compromise. You know, it's like one person might be like a 10 on like the King BDSM scale and the other one's like a one. And it's like, okay, well, we need to kind of inch closer to each other to try to find something that works. Um, You know, something else that I I talk through with people is, you know, try uh, doing something like, okay, instead of planning like a full out scene that's like multiple hours over the course of an evening or day is just say, okay, you know, something like spanking, like, okay, I really love to be spanked. Can we just do spanking? for a short amount of time, like 10, 15 yeah. minutes, and then we'll check in and see if you want to continue. Cause then that's a lot less intimidating to people. Like you, everyone can do something for 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and then, then, then go from there. And then it sort of, you know, and, and again, it depends on why people are not into this, you know? Um, and, and that also sort of goes into why, um, uh, you know, they don't want to do it, but you know what I tell the people who are in, you know, very committed long-term relationships, this is your partner. This brings your partner a lot of joy. Is there a way that you can meet in the middle for your partner so you both can feel some joy together? Or, you know, I mean, sometimes relationships is like about doing that thing you might not like very much, but you know what? Hey, right. makes your partner really happy. And as long as it's not really distressing you and causing you much anguish, like, you know, you can probably be okay doing a thing with your partner once in a while. So, um, and, you know, and also just making it about a certain uh, time limits or, and, you know, other options is being okay with your partner doing that thing with someone else. I mean, this is why professional dominatrix, you know, doms exist. Um, This is why play parties exist. This is why, um, you know, uh, there's other options, um, you know, in, in your relationship that you can explore. You know, I think this is great. It's really about thinking outside of the conventional bedroom scenario of just mm-hmm. missionary style sex and really giving oneself mm-hmm. permission to share with their partner and be heard without shame or judgment, ideally. And, you know, bringing someone mm-hmm. in like you to help when there might be that trepidation or complete disgust. I know I've worked with couples that one partner is just so not into their partner's fetish. And, and I've spoken to them as well, like, are you willing to do this for maybe 20 minutes? Just like you were saying, like just, you know, to give mm-hmm. in, to allow, you know, just fulfill some of this fantasy and, and just working incrementally with when this is someone you love that, that you will, you know, make a sacrifice for their pleasure and how can you work together on things versus it just must be one way negotiating. So yeah, exactly. I like how you brought that up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And then, you know, the other thing is like, you know, I am very referral friendly. So, um, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles. So I have a list of, you know, four or five kink, poly, you know, BDSM friendly, sex positive professional therapists that I will refer clients to. 
Um, and, you know, sometimes my clients are already seeing those therapists and those therapists are referring people to me. Um, so it, it's a good system. And, you know, I, I think that um, some people need different kinds of care and different levels of care. So it's good to have all these different uh, resources or tools at our disposal. Um, I think that, you know, um, a, a book that I read, um, I don't think I have any more because I think I got what I needed out of it. Um, a couple of books that I recommend to people are um, When Someone You Love is Kinky. Um, mm. And also, I can't remember the, the author, I think it's Dossie Eaton. Um, but anyway, but When Someone You Love is Kinky. And then there's another book by Tristan Tamarino, which is... Um, Oh, the my I'm like trying to find it on my bookshelf right now. Yeah, it's, take it's your like time. about um Polly. Yeah, it's about did someone take it? Did I like oh I think I have on my i on my uh um I don't have I have it on my iPad. It's um it's like a poly book. I'll have to look it up in a moment. But um but anyway and, and I really recommend that book because um it even if you're not interested in doing something poly. It does such a great job of talking about the different kinds of relationships. And I think that people have a very um, heteronormative, very standard, mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to sleep together on the third date. And there has to be this, like, I think it's called like, what is it? An escalator relationship that it has to always go in this order in this way. Um, and it does such a great job of talking about the different kinds of relationships that are possible and that it's okay to have someone that you just make out with. And it's okay to have someone that you just have a BDSM relationship with. And yeah. all of those things are okay. Um, and I think that's hard if you've never um, explored that or thought about that before for people to think through things like that. Um, but, but it's something that I recommend because, you know, it's, um, and, and, you know, I feel for couples, like I, I've had couples who I've worked with where, you know, I was just thinking about them today that, you know, this, uh, her husband had a really intense foot fetish and he's like, can we just like do a session together with this dom? And I could tell the whole time she was so horrified and squicked yeah. out and just really not wanting to be there. I mean, we, we talked, we, we all talked together before coming in. It was very clear about what was going to happen, but I could tell she just was so uncomfortable and she hated it. And, you know, I'm doing everything to try to make her feel comfortable and, you know, say, Hey, this is, this is about, he's desiring you. Like this is yeah. fetish for you. And he's, he's, he wants to do this with you. He doesn't really want to do this with me. He's only hiring me to try to help you feel comfortable as like another, as like an ally to you. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to steal your husband or your boyfriend or, or anything like that. This is about how can we, you know, all, all find like a common space together and explore that. And, you know, it's, it's just difficult. Um, it, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of sex shaming, kink shaming, BDSM shaming, even now. Um, and, and it's hard. We're very censored. Um, we're, yeah. we're very, and, and even obviously not for you, but I, there's a, a Twitter thread going around right now about like um, things. I think Autostraddle posted a link uh, about basically horror stories that queer people had about their, their therapist and like how therapists like aren't doing the work to like understand or know these things. And I've had very good experiences with my personal therapist, but a lot of people do not have them. And a lot of people are kink shamed by their therapist right. <laughs> or, you yeah. know, sex shamed um, or even, you know, they're not sex positive. So they don't want to look at a sex worker as a resource um, either as a recommendation or as like a colleague. And, you know, that's something that needs to change because if we're here in the helping profession, we have to look at different modalities to help people. 
You know, I, I completely agree with you. And that's why I wanted to have you on as a guest, because I don't specialize in issues around, you know, sex, like sex therapy. Mm-hmm. I found that when I did have that on my on my special specialty list, Justine, I had men calling me masturbating on the phone, first of all, or wanting to come in mm-hmm. and masturbate in front of me. And I said, you know what? I would like to refer you to a sex worker or someone in that industry where that is the arrangement and the payment. Like that's not what I receive payment for. Mm -hmm. And I I felt really overwhelmed with even some of the fantasies involving animals that the clients were calling, wanting to act out in my office. And I found that there was even confusion around defining, you know, what sex therapy is versus someone in the sex industry providing a service that is agreed upon. And um, so I wanted to have you on to give alternatives and options to clients and people that have this legitimate need and desire to figure these things out about themselves in a safe way that's not shaming. I just know for me, that's not what I'm here to do, but I want to mm-hmm. help people get to the help they need because it's important. And, and you know, I don't believe people should be shamed for their desires, their fetishes, but like, you know, to to help them get to the person that's more, that's their scope of practice versus what, mm-hmm. what mine mm-hmm. is. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, yeah, I guess it's like, you know, I have, um, uh, yeah, I should ask my friends who specialize more in sex therapy, like if they're getting these sort of, uh, you know, like wanker phone calls too. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, but, but I can say that like, it's, you know, I know on, um, what is like the major like source? I think it's like, is it like psychology today or something yeah, where you can list today. yourself? Yeah. yeah. I think that they just recently, added things like, is this a safe space for, um, for kink? Like, are you a kink friendly professional, um, and stuff like that. And that's huge. That is, I mean, that's, that's just, I think in the last year or two that that happened and that's a really big deal. And I, and I know for people who are looking specifically to talk through issues of things like, uh, poly kink, uh, BDSM, um, uh, things of this nature, or you're a sex worker, um, it's really hard. You, you're really hesitant to go to a therapist because then you have to spend half your time explaining, you know, this this to your therapist is. of yes. what this stuff, yeah, what this is. And it's like, that's not, you know, then, then you're the teacher and that like, you're not getting your help. You're not getting your therapy. And I have to say, after reading through several threads on Twitter, I was like, wow, I really count myself as super lucky to find like, um, you know, a couple of therapists that were really like, I didn't have to explain these things to them. And I don't know if they're queer or like they just know, but I mean, uh, granted many, uh, you know, what I'm talking about in therapy hasn't been so much about these things, but like, I've never had to like sit there and educate them um, for the majority of our sessions. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And, you know, for me, I love working with the people doing the sex work. I've worked with a lot of strippers, with people in the sex industry, women predominantly, actually exclusively. And so for me, it was Mm -hmm. just the men, in my experience, that were calling or coming into my office wanting to take their dick out, you know, when that was not at all what we had discussed or pre-planned. You know, it's like there was some deception Mm -hmm. on their part coming in with what this is about. And that's what actually kind of angered me, that, like, how do you feel so Mm -hmm entitled to walk in my office and like want to take your dick out like this is appalling when that's not at Mm -hmm. all the parameter but I've I've loved working with um you know women in the sex industry and and just how 
you know, how they've been even affected by this and how, how it touches upon their own issues and what it might trigger for them. Because I think as healers, we all have that kind of rub up against something at some point mm-hmm. that might trigger an emotion or a response that then we might need some help with resolving or, or just healing. And so that's really exciting to me to work with that end of the sex industry. Mm-hmm. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastic into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. And it's, I mean, like men are just very entitled. Um, and, you know, I never know if it's because they, you know, walking into your office and doing these things and being inappropriate it's because they really know it's inappropriate and they're getting off on the inappropriateness or they're really that stupid and that, Why? that they're just doing this. I just, I don't know, but I've, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, cause I'm, you know, uh, my clients are predominantly, um, middle-aged white cis, um, hetero men. Um, and you know, they're trying to negotiate their fantasies with, um, their partners. Um, and you know, it's hard, um, you know, cause it's like their, their fantasies or they want to be submissive and, you know, they're not really getting what, what they want. And I don't know if it's because, um, you know, I'm only seeing them like one hour, once a week, a couple times a month or something like that. Um, and you know, so I'm, I, I'm super dominant and I love what I do. And also it is my yeah. job. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm enacting in that fantasy with them and I don't know what's happening when they leave, you know, my office, <laughs> I don't know what they're like. And I don't know if it's because we're so socialized as a, it's like a double whammy for submissive men, because, um, on one hand, we're so socialized to, make and allow men to be the leaders and the deciders and the dominant ones. And at the same time, we're also, um, you know, we've, and all of that has made them very entitled. So then when they don't get their way, it is very upsetting. Um, even what, even though when, what, what it is that they want is to be submissive. So it's, um, I, I do feel sympathy for submissive men to a certain point, but, um, you know, I'm not married to one, so, <laughs> um, I don't live with one. Um, I don't know what that's like. Um, I am actually gay, <laughs> so, yeah. um, I have a female partner and so, um, you know, but this is what I'm seeing and, you know, uh, on the flip side, I think it's also hard too, where, you know, the other end of that too, is that because, uh, there are clients that I see that they've been married for like you know, 20, 30 years. And they're like, I've always been into this. I've always loved this, but like, I've never been able to discuss this with my partner. Um, and you know, and because of all the societal norms of how it's not okay to talk about your fantasies, especially as a submissive male. And they've really kept that part of themselves like really deep and dark and hidden because they really fear not being accepted. Um, you know, and that's sort of the bad stories, but like, look, there's a lot of good stories too. Like I have a of people who used to see me privately and they finally were able to open up with their partner and, you know, talk about things. And now they rent for me from my dungeons or sometimes I join them for couple sessions. And, 
that's, that's awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. It's super empowering and, and, and beautiful to see like that transformation where like they started out thinking like, Oh my God, this is never going to happen. Like I have to keep this dark, dirty secret. And now it's like, Oh great. It's in the open. I feel better. Like, you know, and you know, maybe it clicked for like the women on the side too, where it's like, Oh, if I'm just a total bitch, he'll do the dishes and like buy me presents more. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. Uh, you Amazing. Know, you know, yeah. It's, you know, it's like, wait, like if I just like wear heels and I tap my foot, he'll fucking clean the house. Great. It's awesome. You know, and it's just, yeah. so it's interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's happening in those, you know, sort of relationships, but, um, you know, from uh, the glimpses that I see, um, you know, but, but again, it's like, you know, what I teach is like in, in my, again, back to my BDSM 101 course is that the format that I have it as, uh, you know, sort of talking about the general framework of BDSM, but I'm also teaching people about how to set up a scene in BDSM. So that's what we call like the interaction when you're doing, when you're participating in BDSM between, you know, one or more persons, but you know, that you can also take that and apply it to just plain old vanilla sex that has nothing to do with BDSM because you can still talk about, you can still negotiate what you want to do. You know, a lot of sex is spontaneous. Like we don't really talk, like how many people talk about sex before they have it with their partner or someone like no one says anything. It's just like, Hey, let's make out. And like, okay, we're having sex now. You know, that's usually how it goes. And so it, it can be really hot to talk about that, you know, what it is you want to do and what it is you don't want to do and what your boundaries are and how to negotiate and, and what enthusiastic consent looks like. Um, and that just means like an enthusiastic, yes. You know, consent is something that is enthusiastically given. It can be withdrawn at any time. You know, just because someone um, consented to something last week doesn't mean that they consent to it again. Um, you know, I've been with my partner for many years. Um, we've played together. We still have check-ins with each other about what's okay, what it is we wanna do. And, and that's very important. Um, but, you know, and also that applies to non-sexual situations where you can use all the boundaries, consent and negotiation to something that has nothing to do with sex or BDSM. Like, you know, going to your, I usually use the example of going to your partner's house for dinner because that tends to be very fraught, <laughs> you know, for a lot of people. So, you know, you can create something and say like, okay, um, I consent to going to your parent's house for dinner. I only want to stay two hours. I want you to hold my hand the whole time, you know, and if your father says anything racist, we're leaving. Yeah. Great. You set up a boundary, you've negotiated, you consent, and then, you know, your partner can say, okay, um, I hear you. If, if we're at like about an hour and 45 minutes and you still feel okay, do you think we can extend our visit a little bit longer? Okay. I'm open to that. So now you have a negotiation, you set down your boundaries. You've consented, you've given your limits, all of those things are there. Um, and this, the same as you would in a BDSM scene. There you go. Nice little package. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, Justine, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to come back and speak to something you just brought up. So for you, my my for you, my listener, BetterHelp is offering you a discount to try them out. They are a HIPAA compliant, secure online therapy platform via phone and video. They have counselors that specialize in issues spanning depression, anxiety, stress, relationships, grief, self-esteem. You're able to go online and select a counselor 
And if you're not feeling like they're a good fit, just like with meeting with someone like myself, you are able to select someone else. You're able to receive services within 24 hours and financial aid is available to those who qualify. To check them out, they are offering you 10% off your first month and the website to go to is betterhelp.com forward slash ATT for all things therapy. That's all caps, betterhelp.com forward slash ATT. And now LA Talk Radio is going to play an ad. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of all things therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com slash all things therapy with Lisa Ty here as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy let's make the world free of suicide poverty depression and in all make the world a better place for everyone Welcome back to All Things Therapy. I am your host, Lisa Ta here. And today I'm with Mistress Justine Cross. I want to give you the places where you can find her online, which will also be in the show notes. Her website is losangelesdominatrix.com. On Instagram, at the Justine Cross. On Facebook, at Los Angeles Dominatrix. And on Twitter, at Justine Plays. So, Justine, when you were just speaking to some of the, the thoughts around couples and how you work with them, I I suggest to pretty much every couple I've ever worked with to schedule sex because typically mm-hmm. they come in because it's not happening and it can make it really mm-hmm. hot to like put on the calendar, you know, this is when we're going to have sex because then you start to prioritize it and get yourself ready for it, whatever grooming, whatever you might want to set up. And I think it can bring back some passion, some just sexiness to a relationship that is might be long term and kind of lost that luster, lost that passion and hotness. And so I'm hearing that that's something that you encourage as well to plan, to schedule, to like make this shit happen. You know, you make it a point to make this happen in your relationship. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it is very important to schedule sex, to schedule play dates, because, you know, what I always say is, you know, get it on the calendar. It's okay if it moves, but as long as it's on there, then it's, it's so much more likely to happen. Um, you know, and the other thing, yeah, because exactly, then you can do things like text each other all day and like, you know, trade fantasies and talk about what you want to do. And all of that is super hot, like foreplay and, and getting more into the mood for both people. Um, you know, the other thing that I also suggest for people to do is if there is something that you want to talk about, like how to introduce kink or something or BDSM into your relationship, to ha- you know, to schedule that conversation also, you know, I always advise people don't, don't do one of these things, like never talk to someone like before coffee, before bed, or before you meet anyone's mother. Um, so before you're <laughs> yes. hanging out with anyone's mom, 
you know, it is just not a good time. So, you know, and I've learned this the hard way. So learn from my mistakes. So, you know, um, I, I call this like the pre-conversation conversation and, you know, just say, hey, you know, I really want to talk to you about some new things that I'd like to try in the bedroom or there's some kink things I'd like to explore with you. Can we set aside a time to do that? And it's, you know, if you can do it in person, great. If you can do it like over FaceTime or also great um, or on the phone, um, I don't advise doing this like via text or email um, because it's just like things get lost in text tone and, you know, uh, it's not a good idea. It's really great to see someone's face when you're discussing this, um, even if it's like a little hard and embarrassing <laughs> um, yeah. at first. Um, it gets better as you go along. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, I, which reminds me, I need to schedule some sex on the calendar. <laughs> and that's where has been sick. So <laughs> I, need to, I need to do that too. So yes, <laughs> and it's, it's very important for us as healers to do that too and making sure that we're getting like, our own self-care and things that like we need and love and want to do and our own pleasure exactly so Justine, as we're ending do you have any things coming mm-hmm. up that you'd like for our listeners to know about resources just you know things that they can that you're offering yeah definitely um i host a lot of events and classes and you can follow my classes at los angeles bdsmclasses.com and you could also follow all my events at losangelesbdsmevents.com. Basically, it brings you to my event, right? So if you follow that, you will find all the events that I do. Um, They always sell out. Um, I am doing a lot of series of BDSM uh, 101 level classes like bondage and flogging. Um, The BDSM 101s um, have already sold out, (laughs) but I will be offering more. Um, And then if you are a female person, I host a play party called BDSM, and that is open to cis and trans women. And that is coming up February 1st. Um, And then if you are uh, interested, either another play party that I co-host called Deviant, and that is an all-gender queer play party. So that one is sold out, <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah, we, I offer these events throughout the year. Um, and you know, yeah, definitely um, follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter because I also will, you know, cross promote other events that are happening that are wonderful. Um, even if I'm not the one actually to be hosting them. So I'm a really good resource for awesome, fun, queer, kinky, great things happening in uh, Los Angeles. So that's great. Thank you for the life you brought to our show today and illuminating these topics for our listeners, Justine. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I really appreciate your time as well. You're welcome. I look forward to seeing you in the future. Yes, maybe here, maybe in New Orleans. Who knows? Yeah, or both. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Bye. That concludes my show for today with Mistress Justine Cross at LosAngelesDominatrix.com. So, y'all, this is the time of the show where I want you to take out whatever device, phone, computer, go to iTunes, give my show a rating, all things therapy, write me a review. That would mean so much. And I'm just going to I'm just going to ask you to do that. I need that from you. And uh That's a wrap for today. I look forward to being with you next week and I'm sending you all my love. Bye-bye. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tyson.